For those of you that have listened to the podcast, you know how big of a fan we are of Build-A-Trend and that we have used this software for the last four years. And many of the guests that we've brought on the podcast are also Build-A-Trend users. And in this day and age, with as busy as all of us are in construction, as complicated as it is with escalation pricing, lead times, tracking, organization, all of us need a good project management software to help simplify and organize our business. And there are a couple features that we love a ton about Build-A-Trend. And one is the owner portal. The other is the daily logs. And these are features that we use daily, right? Half of my clients are out of state. And as an owner, it is so imperative how we communicate with our clients, with our team, with our customers. And through Build-A-Trend, this allows us that quick connection. They can check at any time. We can communicate with them. We're up to date. This has actually helped us win jobs, win projects because of that organization, especially at pre-construction. And Build-A-Trend also offers a ton of service on the back end, training and understanding and workshops, you know, to help us use our software effectively. They also have the podcast, The Building Code. To learn more, head to buildertrend.com backslash AFT to get a 60-day money-back guarantee on your Build-A-Trend account. That's 60 days to make sure you love this product with no pressure, and I know you will. And that's what entrepreneurship is, right? It's finding solutions. It's finding your way around things. It's being able to have a real block, work through it, and make stuff happen. Because if you don't, progress stops, and then jobs stop. Money stops. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast, and today we're fortunate to have Taylor Halsey. Welcome, Taylor. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So we were just talking off air that you, uh, you know, a little bit of everything, owner, founder, labor, you know, general Peon, super, pretty much whatever, everything. Whatever I'm doing at that moment, <laughs> yeah, I, I hold that title, so. We know how that goes. So you are the owner of the Halsey Group. I know you guys are based in Utah, which we'll dive into. Yeah. And, um, you know, you and I have known each other for quite some time through social media and you know, connected at different events and been up to Utah, my wife and I, and, you know, been with you yeah. and your wife, Allery up there. And, uh, so, so let me start this, you know, yeah. entrepreneurship lifestyle is pretty tough as you know, and, uh, now you're in the thick of it, as we mentioned. And, um, what's something that entrepreneurs need to have? It's funny you asked that because I was actually thinking about this the other day and there's oftentimes there's not entrepreneurs, there's, you have to reflect, right? You have to look back and see what am I doing, especially at the beginning of the new year. Right. You look back at your goals. What do we do in 2022? What can we do better? Um, so for me, you got to have grit. And that word, I think, can have a lot of meanings. Um, something that every day you have to show up, you have to be able to get the job done. We are constantly bombarded with roadblocks and things that just get in the way as, as entrepreneurs. And you have to learn how to get around those. So the other day, well, a couple months ago, I'll give you an example. They were delivering someone to the job site. This guy was at the bottom of the, the driveway and he was just, he was mad because it was a really steep driveway. Didn't want to carry these windows up this driveway and he was just upset. And I came down and I kind of stood at him and he just looked at me. He goes, I'm new to construction. I'm like, all right. I'm like, that's great. And he goes, this is crazy. I'm like, dude, I'll be able to roll with it. You have to be able to have something block you and totally get in your way, and you got to figure figure out a way around it. And that's what entrepreneurship is, right? It's finding a solution. It's finding your way around things. It's being able to um, have a real block and just work through it and make stuff happen. Because if you don't, progress you know progress stops, and then money stops, jobs stop. It's interesting you say that. It, it, you know, as you think about this, you know, the entrepreneurship, and you talked about grit and the consistency. I think the consistency is a key word. 
uh, I think with anything, entrepreneurship is a big part, you know, running your company, but it's, um, that consistency is hard for most people. And, and it was interesting, you know, and you kind of kick this off saying, talking about goals and, you know, the new year and kind of, you know, what we have. And, and I have a couple of peers that are really into like weightlifting and, you know, at the gym and, you know, pretty fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no secret elixir. I mean, <laughs> I guess there's some cheat sheets out there, but for, for most people, really what it comes down to is being consistent, right? It's exercising regularly. It's eating healthy, you know, not having this bad relationship with food, you know, just understanding that there's certain things that, you know, body intake and calorie intake, but, um, depending on what your goals are, but, but what it comes down to is consistency and sleep and, and diet and exercise. And you kind of have the three working together. And I've, I've looked at social media. I've had a lot of people I've spoken to about social media and they talk about, well, you know, I, I kind of get, you know, I'm really good for a couple of days, maybe on LinkedIn or Instagram, and then I kind of fade off. Right. And it's that consistency. You're never, you know, especially with a platform like Instagram, you're never going to have this immediate, you know, blow up for most people. It's not going to go viral every day. You know, it's just this consistent, you know, being in front of people and, and you apply that to your business, as you mentioned, Taylor, and it's hard, you know, it's hard every day to pick yourself up and say, I'm not motivated to be at the gym or I'm not motivated to do social media today, but I have to find a way to be consistent. Right. How, how have you, you know, done that mentally with the challenges, with the roadblocks, with dealing with labor, with dealing with lack of material. I mean, these last couple of years have been really tough to be a builder. You know, do you have any secrets to success of how yeah. you've mentally like kind of overcame those things? Well, I think for me, I, I, you have to figure out what's your why. Why are you doing this? What is it that motivates you to get out of bed every day and to get the job done? And for me, it's my family. You know, I've got five kids, um, ages 15 down to five. We just built a house for ourselves. Um, you know, so there's, there's those motivating factors that for me, and I love what I do. I, I love building. I love being able to create. I love being able to take something from an idea to paper and put it in the ground and, and build it. But for me, it's my why. What do you have to figure out why you're doing it every day? And once you figure out your why, at least for me, it's been you get out of bed and you, you do it every day. And you're, like you said, you're consistent and you, you grind and you make it work and you make it happen. Um, each and every day, day in and day out. And so it's, it's just this constant, but it's this constant battle of maybe your why changes, why you're doing things. It could be that you get in there and say, okay, you know, my family's taking care of her like what I'm doing, but now I just, I want to do it because, you know, I, I want a different kind of challenge or I want to challenge myself, you know, over here. So that to me has been my motivating factors. I, I need to have a why. I need to figure out why I'm doing these things and that will motivate me and, and keep me consistent and keep things going. And as it relates to, you know, as you apply this to the business aspect, you know, I think from the personal side, what you say, I mean, that's incredibly motivating, right? You have five kids, you're trying to support, you know, married and, you know, it's a big part of who you are, Taylor, which, you know, is, is evident, right? In, in who you are as a person and your drive as a company, you know, there's a lot of variations, right? A lot of people maybe want to have the biggest firm. Maybe they want to have more free time. Maybe they want to be on vacation. Maybe they want to be more profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things as far as the business goes, you know, for you, I mean, as you mentioned, you're kind of wearing a ton of hats right now as an entrepreneur, you're, you're balancing a lot of things. You're doing investment, you're doing builds for clients. You're, you know, you're running this company. How have you thought about that? You know, from where you are now, where you want to go kind of, you know, just projections on, you know, just how the, how the company looks in dynamic. So for us, yeah, it's like we said, it's just me right now. My wife helps out with counting, 
Um, she does a lot of the interior design. Your wife and her have worked on a project together up here, which has been fun. Um, so I honestly think about this every day, Brad. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, is, what is the housing group going to look like in two years? What is it going to look like in five years? What do I want to do with, you know, with this company? And, you know, I talked to other builders like yourself, you know, other guys that have big teams. I, I worked for a company that, that we had a team and I was a project manager for them. Uh, and honestly, the, the honest answer is I just, I don't know yet. I'm not sure where it's going to go. You know, I do, I do about three houses a year, which for, you know, a large custom home is, is plenty for what I, what I need and what we do and my bandwidth. Um, you know, when I first started, part of me wanted to grow it, right? I wanted to be big. I wanted to, I wanted to be on billboards. I wanted to people hear the, the housing group name and, and recognize it with, and, and um, as soon as they hear that name, they think of quality. And those are still things that we can do. Um, but, you know, it's a big leap hiring somebody. You know, and this is something that you can talk to, right? Your first hire is your most important hire. And to be honest with you, it, it freaks me out because I don't know if I can find somebody that's going to love and devote themselves to this business as much as I will to this company. And it may not, and it probably doesn't exist, right? But I need, I would need to find somebody. I always joke that if I could find a clone of me, not that I'm doing anything special, but just someone that, that approaches it like I do, then I would hire them. And I know there's great guys out there. There's great people out there that, that know the industry and do really well, but that's just kind of been my mentality is, is trying to figure out, you know, for us is that, do we hire somebody? Do I stay small? And which allows me to do other things as well outside of construction um, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, which really excites me. Another thing you and I have talked about that, just other, other ideas that are out there. Just I, as I've gotten into being an entrepreneur, I've loved just like we love to create homes. I've loved to create business. And for me, that's really fun. So I don't know. I'm not sure where, where it's going to take us. I'm kind of just taking a little bit at a time and, and trying to figure out, work my way through that. Yeah, I can appreciate that. You know, what have you seen? And maybe this kind of alludes to, I mean, you've, you've had some pretty unique experiences, right? You work for a bigger firm in Colorado. You are on your own now. So you've kind of had both extremes per se, right? Being sole operator as well as working with others. What was eye opening for you? you know, leaving a company, having worked for, you know, an employer, and then now you're starting your own and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, trying to wear all the different hats. Yeah, you, you name it, right? As an employee, for me, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I told my bosses, I'm not, I was not a good employee. And I think that was part of it <laughs> because I had this entrepreneurial spirit that, you know, that, that I want, what you want to tell your boss, right? I just, hey, I'm a crappy employee, you know? So, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I had this quality of, you know, I, I wanted to do things a certain way and, and he had his way, which was great. And it was, you know, it worked really well. And um, so I, I would say the biggest difference was just, it's all on your shoulders, right? As an employee, you show up, you get the job done. There's responsibility. You got to do a nice job. You got to make sure that you're, you're performing well. Um, but for me, it's, it was just what I didn't know in the back office, right? It was the accounting. It was the marketing it was the staying up late, working on bids and getting numbers out. It was the working with the subcontractors and nines and all that stuff that comes with it. You just don't, as an employee, you don't see. And so for me, the best thing that I could have done was leave because it wasn't fair to him 
for me to be there because I wanted, I wanted to explore these other, you know, these other avenues and, and do it on my own. So it wasn't fair to me, you know, to stay there and, and or excuse me, fair to him to stay there and do that, do that just because my, my mental state where I was at wasn't where it needed to be for him and for them. And so um, it's a challenge making that transition. It takes a lot of time. I mean, we're, we're coming up on year three and um you know, I'm just barely getting an accountant that is going to do my accounting full time, which is crazy, right? We did it all on our own. My wife helped me out. Her father-in-law is an accountant. So we just kind of worked through it. But we're finally getting to a point where the numbers work and we can we can afford to hire an accountant, take it off our plate. And you know, so we're just fine. But it's taken us three years just to get to this point um, of just grinding and making it work. It's interesting, Taylor, because I going back to the hiring process, and you mentioned this, you know, I need to find someone who has the love and devotion that I have. Right. And you know, it, it, it's always tough to like vet and find someone. And it's interesting. They come in different forms. And and where I'm going with this is that, you know, I look at a couple of my employees that, you know, that we have, and they're amazing. You know, the devotions there, the loves there for the company. And what I saw, I mean, these are people that went in and started their own company for a time. They ran a company and then they realized, you know, like many of us, that running a company, sometimes yeah. it has its upsides, but it's not great all the time. And and there's a lot of stress and, you know, from business development and contracts and possible legal issues and payroll and, you know, all the things that go into it that maybe not is an appetite. And then they come back and say, you know what, maybe I do like working for someone. But then you have some people that are just like, no, I'm I'm born and bred entrepreneur. And like you, Taylor, could recognize that and go to your employer and say, look, I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I'm probably not a great employee because this is who I am at heart and I need to be on my own. And so recognizing yeah. that's important, you know, recognizing yeah. that in your hiring process. And, you know, it doesn't mean you can't, maybe you have a need and Hey, I need to hire Taylor for, you know, a couple of years just to get through this wave. And then he could go off on his own. I mean, there's a, a you know, an avenue for that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And there's, and there's guys out there that to your point that have done the business and they just, they don't want to do it anymore. Right. And so that's, that's where I've always said, if I could find someone that really is kind of like, Hey, I don't want to do the business stuff. I love the construction side of things. Um, then those, are, those are folks that I'd want to talk to for sure. And, and yeah, like you said too, if you find someone temporarily, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of different options out there. Um, I just got to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, you know, just you know, those things you have to work through is, <laughs> as you work through business plans and, and uh, you know, trying to figure out what, uh, what it's going to look like. But no, to your point, there's definitely, there's definitely great people out there and I've seen our work with them. I mean, the superintendent I worked with at my last job, I'm killed to have him here. I would hire him in a heartbeat. He was, he, he loved that company and loved working for, for our boss. And he knew the, the industry and had such heart and, and grit and just got stuff done. And, and, you know, he, he pushed that company towards the beginning and, and see a lot of the success that they have. So, so what made that big change? I mean, this was a big change for you. I mean, you're in Colorado, moving to Utah, you know, a t- territory, yep. maybe climate, you know, to some aspect it's similar. So you definitely had some knowledge of building, right? That's, that's probably similar to where you went, but you know, moving out of state, starting a company, it's one thing to move your family with five kids and uproot them. It's another thing to not have your company up and running. You know, that's not an easy, easy task. During COVID. During COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just throw that, throw that icing on the top. Yeah. It was, <laughs> It's one of those things, Brad, where you look at it now, you're like, dude, what was I thinking? Like, what are you thinking? But you just, you, you, when you have a, when you have a dream and you have an idea, 
you just do whatever you can to make it work, right? And timing isn't always the greatest, but so when we, when I decided to to take off, talk to my boss, it was the end of 2019, he agreed, like, I think he could tell my heart wasn't in it. And so we kind of agreed to, to part ways. And, and then a month later, COVID hit. Well, at that point, the ball was already rolling, right? Everything was in, was in place. We decided to come out to Utah. I grew up down in Salt Lake. Um, so I have a lot of connections here, family, friends. And so it, it made sense. Not to mention the area that we're in is uh, we're up by Park City, about 20 minutes um, just south of Park City. And so we're in an area where there's a lot of development going on, a lot of different things that are happening, which is exciting. A lot of develop, you know, a lot of custom home areas that are going in and, and fun developments. And so it made sense for us to, to come here. So that was kind of a no brainer in terms of where we wanted to land, just because it fit with the type of product that we wanted to build, the, the area that we wanted to move to. So, you know, once we, my wife and I decided this is what we wanted to do, um, just kind of went through the process, right. Of, of starting the business of going in and, and finding out what your business is going to be, what it's going to look like doing a business plan. And I remember going, I created a business plan and I actually went to a, a friend of mine. Initially, my idea was I wanted to take the company I worked for in Colorado and bring them out to Utah and, and approach my, my boss about that. And he was open to it. You know, he said, yeah, if that's something you want to do, let's talk about it. I took my business plan to a, to a buddy of mine that was, um, somebody I really admire and look up to and he's done done very well and I showed him the business plan and he listened and kind of nodded and looked at it and then he at one point he goes why don't you just do this on your own and I was like there's that you know there's that option as well he goes dude you could totally do this and we just kind of worked through it and that's where things kind of just switched from there and they're just like no we're gonna we're gonna make this work and make it happen so it was tough I mean we as we got started um you just take whatever you can, right? I was doing remodels, taking whatever I could. I was driving all over the place, hour away to get to get a remodel, get three or four going at a time. And you're you're there on site, just bouncing around and trying to make it work. In the meantime, knowing that we wanted to start doing custom homes, working on a plan for a spec house that uh, we wanted to build um, here in Heber and, and see if we could see if we could make that work. And so that was just making all those, you know making all those decisions. And like you said at the beginning, it's being consistent, showing up every day and just trying to make it work. So it's interesting that strategy and I understand, you know, coming in and, you know, you're trying to find any project you can, but a lot of people ask, Hey, if I'm starting my company, you know, where do I start? How do you, how do you get into, you know, custom homes, right? Someone may ask you that Taylor or myself, and you know, it's pretty common to with designers and architects that have that same question. Like I want to get in and do this. And what's interesting is, you know, I've seen great success, from builders, designers, architects to get in, whether it's an investment group or family or, or whatever connections they may have to put together like a business plan and an idea or like a pro forma, right? And budget and say, Hey, we're going to go build this spec, get our name on the ground, mm-hmm. go build it. And now, you know, it's credible, right? We've done that. How did you do that? How did you put this together being in a new area, go build a spec, which was your goal there. Um, and how did that kind of change the tra- trajectory of the company? So for us, it was, I knew, and this was, again, with my knowledge back in Colorado, I knew somebody wanted to, if they wanted me to build them a house, they're going to want to see what I can do. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't come from Colorado. I mean, now what I built, I worked on projects out there, but now what I built was totally mine, right? It belongs to, my, to the company. And so 
it was in Colorado. It wasn't something that they could walk through. So I knew that that was going to be a, a barrier to entry, right? Because they're going to want to be able to walk through or see things. I can show them pictures of, of stuff that I, you know, participated in, or I was, you know, I did a project, a project manager in a certain house, but until they can actually see it in person. And so that from day one was a, a goal for us is we wanted to build a house that clients could come to, could see, we could photograph and, and people could really get a feel and a taste for what we can do and the kind of quality uh, of home that we could build. So, um, you know, luckily from the sale of our, our couple homes that we had, we had some, we had some capital and we were able to go and look in these different areas and we found a lot and was able to purchase a lot. And then I went and knocked doors with banks and just said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my idea. Um, I've got some capital and here's my experience. Are you willing to take a risk on me? And I found a bank, a pretty good sized bank here in town that was like, yeah, this is actually exactly what we want to do. We want to help you out. We want to be a part of this. We want to be there and grow with you, which was like <clears throat> incredible. It was, it was amazing that, that, that we were able to find somebody that would be able to do that. And so through, through luck and through you know, some miracles, we were able to get some funding. Um, after we put a, a design of a house together and put a budget together, we were able to get some funding and uh, start working on a spec home um, that we could start, you know, get, people could, could walk through and start saying, and so that's kind of how we got started. We built that spec, um, worked our way through it. Halfway through, um, we got a client and they wanted to buy it. And so came in, finished it out, made a few changes here and there, but it's been, it was, was the, the, um, it was what we needed to just push us into the next, you know, next phase of our, our company and, and start building our home. So we've had people come by, saw our sign, we put a sign out up front. And we would just get phone calls for people to say, hey, I see you're building a house. Is it available? Can we walk through it? You know, and that sort of thing. So it's really just been through um, people looking at the sign and calling us and started from there. So so, so walk me through this because as, as I think about just that whole transaction, right, as you're going through the banking side uh, and you don't have to get into specifics of maybe terms, right? But ideally, what was, you know, when you're walking into a bank, were they credit unions? Was it a normal, you know, national bank? As you're going in, who are you asking for, right? How are you meeting the right person? And then what did you have to have to present to them? Like, you know, what kind of numbers did you, did you have budgets already built and, you know, an ex, you know, a guessment sales price and profit margin, you know, for the bank to be willing to say, okay, Taylor, I don't know you, but these numbers look good. We're going to take a risk and let's set up financing. Yeah. So, I was able to get through it. So it's central bank, which was their pretty big bank here in town. Um, and they were actually introduced, made a connection through somebody else. Actually, I went to another company and they said, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't actually do this kind of product anymore, but we think, we think central bank might be a fit. And so it was actually a, a referral after I, I talked to somebody else. And I walked in with a budget in hand. I knew that I could build this house for this much. Um, and I knew I, I, I had to. And this is what my budget was. And um, we had plans in place. We had a budget in place. And we had land. And then we had some capital that we could use um, as collateral is really what they did. So I, 
it, I mean, it sounds nuts thinking about it, talking about it, and looking back on it, but I literally took every penny I had and I just said, you guys can hold on to this. And I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that we're going to sell this house. And this was in, like I said, this was 20, summer of 2020. And, and the area we're in, still weird. it yeah. was bombarded. Yeah, it's still weird, but it was bombarded with people wanting to move here. People from California were wanting to come here. It was, it was uh, you know, we live in an area where we're 10 minutes from two huge lakes. We're 15 minutes from ski resorts where they had the, the Olympics in 2002. Mountain biking, anything you can think of from a recreational standpoint, we're literally within 15 minutes of where we're at. So we're, we're in a very desirable area. So people were coming all the time and um, move, wanting to move here or, you know, looking to move here. So um, there was, we got lucky. And it was a family from California that wanted to buy a second home that was looking for a house that, uh, that purchased a home. And so as far as that transaction goes, it was, it was really just kind of having my ducks in a row. And I was going in with confidence and saying, I can build this house and I can sell it and I'm going to sell it. Where in the back of my head, I'm like, I hope, you know, <laughs> I hope I can do this, but, but I, I, I felt confident enough that we, I felt like we could do, we could make it, make it work and make it happen. And, um, and we did, we were very blessed to be able to, to do that and to make it happen. So it was, it was, it was definitely being organized and showing that I knew what I was talking about and having those budgets in place. And I have a very detailed budget that I do that there was no line item that was not touched. And, and so it would answer any questions that the bank had. And they did, they had questions about certain things and that, uh, you know, I had specked out and costs and, and whatnot. And, and we had to walk through it with them and explain to them why we were doing it, why these costs were this, show them our different, um, estimates from our subcontractors and, and show them enough so they can see that, you know, this is that we're legitimate and we can make it work. There's some interesting points there because as you think about entrepreneurship, going back to beginning conversation is there's no doubt you mentioned you have to have grit, right? You have to be consistent. You know, there's some elements to that, but you gotta be willing to take risk, right? And you have to look around corners and you have to anticipate and the ability to take a risk. And it's hard for, I know for me as an employee years ago, it was hard for me to really understand you hear that maybe the, the owner has risk or skin in the game or, you know, they stay up at night worrying about payroll and all these things. Um, but there's a lot of risk, right? Taylor, you go do a spec as an entrepreneur. I mean, you have a ton of risk. And I think the important lesson here for those listening is when, you know, you get your sign up and, and that's going to accelerate the success of the company. But more importantly, you, you had a lot of planning going into this. First, you, you had collateral. You had the land. You had some cash, right? They use this collateral that you mentioned. Uh, but from the sound of it, you had already gone down the road of designing the home. You had architecture, you had budgets, you had pricing from subs. So this is a very dialed in approach. It was, you know, there is risk to it, but there was a very targeted, you know, preparation that you had in anticipation that you'd get banking and then be off on, on your way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I figured that was the only way that I was going to have a chance at this, because if I w walked in there and just said, Hey, this is what I want to do. And I didn't have my ducks in a row. They're going to, I felt like they would just kind of laugh and say, no, it's, this isn't going to work. But if I could show them, if I could prove to them that, you know, we've got the capital, we've, we've got the experience, um, you know, and I could essentially, I don't want to say that I was trying to sell them, but just show them just like, look, this is something that we can make happen. Um, I felt like we could, we could get it done. And so, yeah, you, we did take a very targeted approach to it. I'm not saying that's the only way to do it. That just is what worked for us as we got started. 
Um, and luckily it worked out. Um, I think we're in a different environment today where I don't know if that would, would work as well from the, from a spec standpoint, because specs are a little bit more difficult right now. But, um, at the time it was, it was exactly what we needed to do. And, and like I said, we felt blessed enough to be able to make it happen. And, and, uh, like I said, looking back, <laughs> there were nights where, yeah, I remember one night I couldn't sleep. It was like the stress was just overwhelming. It was middle of the summer. And I just, I just felt this anxiousness. And so I got up, it was one o'clock in the morning and I got up and I went for a run. Cause I was like, the only thing that I could do to like clear my head and try and calm myself down because I was just feeling the, the, the pressure and the heaviness of what was going on. And I went for, I can't remember how far I ran quite a while. I come back and it was later in the morning and my wife was waiting for me at the top of the stairs. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is, I, I couldn't, you know, I had to get out. I, I was just laying there in bed, staring at the ceiling, just thinking about all the things that, that we needed to do or could go wrong or, or whatever was happening. So it was just, yeah, there's that pressure. There's that pressure that you feel as an entrepreneur, as a, as a, as a um, business owner, that it can get to you, you know, and you have to be able to have an outlet. You have to be able to, to work through it and, and have your, you know, your solution to these roadblocks like we talked about before. So this episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. Yeah, it's interesting, Taylor. So, I mean, as you talk about that, timing definitely played a role then for you. You know, being that you picked that market, you know, 2020 was kind of weird. And I know when COVID started in March, you know, the real estate market for about 60 days was kind of weird. And then it just kind of slowly took off, you know, and especially in markets such as yours and mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what's interesting is you talked about you had to sell yourself to the bank. And what's interesting is I, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think most of us we do have to sell ourselves to everybody, right? To clients, to employees, to, um, you know, we're building the vision. And as entrepreneurs, there has to be you know, some aspect of selling yourself to the banking side and make sure you have banking lined up and, you know, sell yourself to the architects and designers that you can perform. And so there's some, some truth there, but how did you figure out, you know, a, a, a good time, you know, to bring on a realtor, you know, to, to sell the home, you know, was it a strategy of yours to bring them on midstream? So you're not carrying all the financing or, you know, were you trying to get to completion? So you didn't have to maybe have the client involved in decisions you know, just a timing marketing strategy to get off the ground and really make sure that this was a success. 
So if, if you have any realtors that are, that are listening, they're probably not going to like the answer to this question. But <laughs> what I did was I went, I, I went to, there was a company here in town. I think they're out of Park City, actually, that for a, a small fee, they'll put your listing on MLS for you. But you have to manage everything else. They'll, they'll manage the contract. They'll do all that. But basically, in terms of showings or anything like that, you have to, you have to take care of that. <clears throat> so I found this company that, that did that. And I got it on the MLS and then we obviously would, you know, had on there, we pay any, any, any uh, realtor that would bring a client. Um, but on my end, it saved me 3% at the time having to find a realtor that, that could list, that would list the, uh, the property. And so we listed it with that company, put it on MLS. And then we just kind of blasted social media, Facebook, told, you know, talked about friends and family and, you know, people at church, anybody you could talk to let them know that this is what we were doing, put the sign out front. And, uh, and then it was, it was through a realtor though, that, that found somebody, like I said, that couple from California that saw it on MLS and just said, let's just go look at this. And they at the time were looking for a finished house, but when they found us, they liked the idea that they could make some tweaks. You know, we had a bathroom, we changed some of the interior just a little bit, some of the finishes just a little bit. They liked that idea. They could do that and make it a little bit more of their own. And so, um, for us, it was, it worked out really well to, to do it that way. I love that. And what's interesting is it, it's a little more work on your side, but again, you know, you're trying to protect that first investment and, you know, from the looks of it, I mean, of course that catapulted you went on your way, but I would imagine starting off early on, there were still challenges you had, you know, what were some of the other challenges, especially getting into a new market? You know, one thing I look at is, you know, your trade base subcontractors and suppliers and trade partners, you know, how long did it take to ramp up and get connections and build relationships, which is a huge part of this? So it, it took a little while. It was one of those things that as I started doing it, I realized the way I was doing it initially wasn't going to work. I was literally trying to Google, right? And Google anybody that I could see on, on there and just call up and just say, hey, this is what we're doing, right? And so they're getting these which didn't work, right? They're getting a random call from a guy who was in Colorado at the time. <clears throat> it was during COVID, so we were kind of shut down. And so I was like, well, I'm going to just focus on trying to get things going out in Utah. You got a random guy from Colorado saying, hey, I'm moving to Utah during COVID. We're going to start a business. I need a subcontractor. And guys are like, ah, you know, we're, we're super busy or, or whatever. We weren't getting a lot of traction. And so I just had this thought of, I need to find, I need to find the best. I need to find the best subcontractor. And how am I going to do that? And so I had the idea of calling supply houses so I'd call the supply houses for plumbing, electrical, HVAC, and I'd say, can you give me a list of your top three or four guys that always pay their bills on time, that you knew do quality work, that you really like working with, you know, just this kind of criteria, and they were more than happy to do that. So I would sit there and smile and dial, and I'd call these different supply houses, and I'd say, just start making this list of guys and, and subcontractors, um, and then I'd just start calling them, and and what was nice is it kind of broke the ice is, hey, I got your name from so-and-so at, at this supply house. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. What can I do for you? So it just it broke that the, the ice and saying, you were recommended by this person. They say you do a great job. I want to see, you know, the kind of work you do. I want to, I want to you know, talk to you because this is what we're doing and we feel like we can, we're going to do some, some really cool projects and we'd love for you to be a part of that. So that was – was a challenge from the standpoint of once once we kind of figured that out, it really helped. And so I would say 75%, maybe a little bit lower 
of my subcontractors I still have today started from just those lists of just calling, calling the supply houses and getting the, the guys that like I said, they're, they're, they're paying their bills and are good to work with. And, and to me, that was a reflection of their, they do quality work and they care about their business. And those are the kinds of people that I wanted to be able to work with. Um, so, but that was, that was a, that was a big barrier to entry. But once we got through that, it really did help. Um, I had other supply houses that we used in Colorado that were more national. We use our camera shops actually out of St. George's in Southern Utah. They do stuff work up here all the time. Uh, we do a lot of Sierra Pacific windows, you know, they're national. So some of the bigger vendors that we, we used in Colorado, we were able to use out here and, and um, make work. And I already had those relationships with those vendors or they introduced me to somebody that was over here as well. So, uh, but yeah, it definitely took time and it took, um, kind of smiling, dialing and, and meeting with people and, and kind of interviewing them. I'm sure they were interviewing me doing the same thing. Um, just trying to figure out how each, each person works. And then as we got into the jobs, doing some of these remodels I talked about, there are a couple that, that didn't work out right away. Um, so we do the same thing or look for referrals or trying to figure out who, who else was out there. But for the most part, that's kind of how we got started and we're able to find a lot of our, our subcontractors that we work with and it's worked out pretty good. It's interesting. There's a lot of value, right? Having good partnerships and with your suppliers and vendors and especially your trade partners to that point, Taylor, I mean, it's really smart, right? As you're going into a new area to think about the contact supply houses, cause they know, right. They know who's performing. They, they, they have a good feel who's organized. And, um, one thing I've seen too, as you're building that trade base has been success for us. In addition to what you mentioned is, um, you know, I've seen, you know, speaking to some of the architects and designers cause they have contacts. They know some of the subs, even though they're not performing as contractors, but they do, see who's been good to work with from their aspect. And especially we found a couple of really good trades from our trades themselves. So for example, you know, we, we found a really good concrete guy that does our concrete work. And he's like, Hey Brad, you should speak to so-and-so who does framing and so-and-so that does earthwork. And you know, they're really good. We've worked with them on other projects with other builders. And so it's interesting how even the trades have a good feel of their network and who's good to work with and partner with, you know, because they see it, their boots on the ground and they see it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's happened to us. We've we've hit multiple guys that we've talked to, like with some of these that have worked out. So I'll go to another subcontractor because they're around them all the time, right? They're on the job site with them, or they're a friend, or or whatever it is in the industry, and we'll just say, hey, do you have anybody that you'd recommend that does really quality work? And then we go and look at their work. We'll go look at a house that they've done. We'll go look and you know see what they've if it's a siding guy or if it's a carpenter or somebody like that. We'll go and, and look and see what they've done just to kind of see if. if what they're doing is something that we, we'd be willing to put in our home and, and put our name behind. And so, yeah, I think that's a great point where subcontractors can be a great resource as well. And even as, as you mentioned, as you start to build relationships with other builders and have good rapport, you know, a lot of my builders are like, Hey, I have this really good sub. I can't keep them totally busy myself. So I want to share with mm-hmm. other good builders. Um, what's interesting, Taylor, I mean, for most people looking at you and, you know, hearing your story about the risk and entrepreneurship, I mean, it seems like, okay, Taylor has it figured out. I don't like, what's he doing? You know, but you know, just mentality to run a business, you know, the mental health. I mean, it seems picture perfect from us, you know, looking behind the scenes, you know, how's that been from, you know, from your side? Yeah. Mental health is a real thing, right? It's something that we deal with, uh, on a, on a constant basis. Um, I'm a huge proponent of, of, making sure that your, your mind is just as healthy as your body. 
And I mentioned to you earlier in that story where I, I got up and had to go for a run. It was something that I, I dealt with just being feeling very anxious about it. And so um, mental health is something that I think is critical, especially for an entrepreneur, anybody. But if, if you're running a business, it can feel really lonely. I don't care how many people you have around you. Um, you know, Brad, you've got a big team, but there's nobody that does what you do, right? There's nobody that does, has your responsibilities and has your focus and what, what you need to do. There's nobody else that does that. And there's times where you're you're late you're up late at night or you're for me in the middle of the day I'm I'm cleaning up a job site right I'm, I've got I'm throwing wood away and trying to clean things up and you're by yourself just just trying to make it work and, and it can affect you you know and so I've dealt with with depression in my life I've dealt with um, you know some anxiety where we we felt felt kind of anxious about certain things that aren't going to work out because you are putting everything on the line. Um, but as an entrepreneur, in my opinion, you have to be able to put every, be willing to put everything on the line and lose it and be okay with that rather than not try at all. And that was one thing that my, my wife kept telling me over and over again is I knew that if, if we didn't try this, that you would regret it. If you didn't go after this, you'd regret it. And I didn't want you to live with that regret. And she was right. If we didn't go after this and try, I would have hundred percent always wondered what if, um, but at the same time, like I said, it was, it was one of those things that I was willing to put everything on the line. And if we lost everything, then not to say I was okay with it, but it was something that was definitely on the back of my mind that could happen. And you still can. I mean, there's there's things that we're in an industry that changes constantly. We're in an economy that right now there's a lot of, lot going on, and that adds a lot of weight and pressure to people. And I, like I said, I am a huge proponent of taking care of yourself. Um, it's very easy as a business owner to get locked in and try to keep your head down and not want to take time for yourself. And I said from the very beginning that I would always take time for, for me and my family and for my mental health because I because of my past experience in dealing with some depression and, and dealing with some um, some things in the past that were really hard and it affected my family, you know, it affected the way that my my kids and my wife and it was something that I just didn't want to go down again and so I always promised myself that even as we got started as much as I can I would take nights and evenings that's family time. And I would try and take weekends if I could um, and vacations and just getting away and completely unplugging is something that I think is so critical for an entrepreneur. If you can, you, we can't completely unplug. At least I can't. And you and I have had this conversation, Brad, about vacations. And, you know, when you, when you have employees, they can stay and they can take care of stuff. For me, I can't, right? I'm, I'm on the phone sometimes, um, we're in, we were down in Mexico last year and I'm making phone calls early in the morning, trying to get stuff going and get it done. Um, but I, but at the same time for what we're doing, I wouldn't change it. It's something I signed up for. It's something I'm okay with right now and dealing with. Um, but I just, for me, it's something that we have, I have to have that balance and I have to be able to um, take care of my mental health. And that was something I would help anybody that's listening or some anybody that is in a, a, uh, the position that we are in or not that feels that, that they would take time for themselves and make sure that, that their mental health is okay because it, it can be such a daunting and dark place 
that not just only affects you, but affects a lot of people that are around you. It's interesting, Taylor. I, I love how open you are because you, you said a couple of things lonely, right? I mean, it is, you know, as an entrepreneur, and it doesn't matter if you have 50 employees or one, right? There, there is a loneliness because, you know, there's battles that you're dealing with that, you know, others may not understand. And if you have a spouse and kids, you know, they probably don't understand, you know, some of the things on your plate and, you know, I, it, it's really hard sometimes to not maybe bring that home, right. Or into your personal life and you're dealing with all these things. You, you mentioned, you know, the exercise, that's why I went on a run. What are some other things you've done? I mean, dealing with depression, anxiety, and, and just to be open, Taylor, this is not unique, right? I think any entrepreneur, and no. I've been, I, I've been open yeah. to say, you know, entrepreneur, your, your mood changes every five minutes, right? And there's a couple of peers of mine that, you know, you have a certain client that makes you want to quit your entire career and be out of the industry. It's very possible. Um, you know, there's times that I've, you know, personally dealt with, you know, you, ha you have these, these pulls on you, whether it be, you know, moments of depression or loneliness or anxiety, and, and that's different for everybody, but it's real, right? And, and that's why it's important we talk about this and address that. It's so real, Brad. It's so real. And it's so important to talk about it. You know, and there's this theory. I hate the word stigma. I don't like that word, but there, but it, it, to your point, it is something that I would say most individuals, probably not all, but I think most individuals that are in a position or any position that, you know, where you've got a lot of responsibility, you feel that because you're, you're worried about what would happen if you fail, right. Or if things don't work out or whatever, um, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders and, but to your point, yeah, there are a lot of people that deal with it and maybe you don't want to talk about it or, you know, don't feel like it's something that maybe they don't realize that they even are, you know, depressed that they have, you know, depressive thoughts or, or whatever it is. Um, but it's a super real thing. And we live in a society where there's a lot of pressure that's put on us from multiple angles. Um, you know, there's a lot of comparison that goes on. Even in the builder world, right? You jump on social media, give me two seconds and I'll find a company I can look at and go, that guy is way better than me, right? <laughs> but but for me, I'm not one that, from that standpoint, I'm not one that cares as much about that. I, I, I focus on what I can control. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I look at companies such as yours or others where I admire them and the stuff you're doing, the products you have are just incredible and it's, it's amazing to, to see what you guys do and there's, you know, but for me, it's not a, I need to duplicate that or I need to be as good as they are. It's, I need to find out what works best for, for the housing group and for our business and, and what's going to, what's going to keep us going forward. And so comparison is a huge thing too. I think a lot of people compare and look at certain, certain things and want to be like that or wish they could do better or wish they could do this or that or the other. And it's like, look, you do your best, you show up. And you do your absolute best every day and you're going to be fine. But don't worry about what the guy next door is doing. Don't worry about the builder next door is doing. So we have, give you an example. I have up here in, in Utah, we, we have the parade of homes, right? And it's, we do Salt Lake County, Utah County. And there's one up here in Park City. That's the part they call the Park City Showcase, which is a big one. And there are beautiful, big homes that get put in this. And I don't ever go. Because <laughs> I don't want to walk through, I don't want to walk through your house. And even though I might get some great ideas, I can go online and do that. Because I know myself and I can say, man, why aren't we doing this? Or why aren't we doing that? Or this, that, and the other. Um, there's good builders up here. There's great builders up here. Um, but for me, it's just something that, that I, I don't, I don't like to go through that. And, and 
you know, we're confident in the type of product we put out. We're confident in, in our, our quality and, and the type of home that we build. And so I think that's part of that, that stigma that happens is people start to compare and they try to say, why aren't I doing, you know, what Brad's doing or, or whatever it is. And you do the best you can. You, you do you show up and you do the best you can. And you do what's best for you at that moment. And everything works out. And I just something that, that I really kind of live by um, each and every day. You know, I love that. I love, essentially boundaries, right? What you're doing, Taylor's, you know, you're setting boundaries because you know your personality, you know, or there's potential to maybe have, you know, a moment of comparison or depression. Mm-hmm. And and by, compar- you know, understanding those boundaries, right? And, and you know, and I've seen this through like, I've said this on the podcast before, you know, that Derek Jeter would say that, you know, playing baseball, I would never hang around negative people because in baseball, right. you go through these slumps and, totally. you know, I'm always trying to, have, you know, have a high batting average and I'm trying to be consistent. And, and so network people we surround ourselves with, right? Boundaries. You're not a tenant prayed homes because, you know, as you mentioned, you just, it, it, it's really easy. You know, Instagram can make things look one way right. when the reality is something else. And, right there is something to, you know, understanding your focus, understanding your goals, understanding like the drive you have and then building towards it. And it doesn't mean, Hey, I can't contact Taylor and, you know, network with them and get some ideas. 100%. But, yeah. Okay. But I need to essentially keep focusing on where I'm at. And, and it's hard to be vulnerable. I mean, to be open about, Hey, I've dealt with depression, or anxiety, you know, and this isn't, I think this is all people, not just like a gender specific, but you know, a lot of us think, well, if I show a moment of weakness that I, I struggle with these things, maybe a client will hire me or maybe so-and-so. I mean, you know, you become self-doubting and the reality is we're all dealing with this to some extent. Everyone in this industry, it's a tough industry of design and, and, and fee for business and, you know, restaurant industry is no different. And, you know, it's really tough. You know, you have to build that network. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point. I, I do that all the time. Like, especially if you're on a job site with a client, right? Do you show up differently on a job site with a client? And this is a good check for anybody than you would if the client wasn't there, right? Do you treat and talk to your subs in a way that's different than when your client's there? You know, and sometimes maybe you do, maybe you're a little nicer. Maybe it's, maybe you're a little more patient, maybe whatever. And that subcontractor might let you be like, you know, what's he doing? Or maybe you do show up and you're like, yeah, this is the same tailor that I get every day. He's just with clients this time. So um, you do have that mentality of, I worried about if I, if I say something or act differently, are they going to, are going to think differently of me? Are they going to, are they going to want to build with me? Are they going to have a, you know, a negative, you know, picture of who I am or whatever it might be. Um, so, but those are all real things. And this is something for me that I, it's taken me a long time to get through. Right. So with my depression, I got to a point where I'm like, I need to go just talk to somebody and understand why I feel this way. And so I did. So I went and talked to a psychologist and, and that helped me. You talked to my wife, like it, it changed, it changed our lives. Right. It changed the way that I, that I, that I look at things that I think about things. And I remember having a conversation with him beforehand. He was saying, Taylor, we can change your, the way you think in your mind, your brain is just as malleable as your bicep. And I was like, what does that even mean? And he, and he said, just come talk to me one time. And after one, one conversation with him, I saw change. I saw focus change. And I saw my, my uh, mentality and how I looked at things change. And it was over time where we, we were able to kind of 
dive into why was I feeling certain things in the negativity or whatever it might be. And then how can I combat that? How can I get over it? How can I work through that? You know, when this happens, you know, um, one of the things I had was I always felt like when I walked onto a job site that I wasn't, that I didn't belong there. It felt like, you know, cause I didn't, I haven't been in construction my whole life. I had a previous career. And so I was kind of getting into this. I kind of felt like a, you know, almost a poser, right? Like who's this guy showing up? And I, so I had that mentality in my head when reality that wasn't going on at all with anybody else. And so I had to figure out how can I show up, show up on a job site and, and own the job site and, and know that, you know, I deserve to be here. I'm, I'm knowledgeable. Um, and, you know, so those are just things that, that for me worked really well in, in helping and talking to somebody that could help me understand why I thought the way I did and help me change my thinking. And it's literally been, and not to say this lightheartedly, but it's literally been life changing for us the way that, 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 for me, for the way we think and approach things. So it's been, it's been pretty awesome. That's a, you know, that's a big thing, Taylor, to say, you know, I'm going to go get therapy and, you know, therapy is so healthy for all of us. You know, how you, you mentioned maybe your wife was part of that. I mean, how do you, how do you finally pull the trigger, say, you know what, I need to do this. And, mm-hmm. you know, from the sound of it, it seems like now you have clear direction, you know, understanding boundaries, as you mentioned, and, you know, it just really has set you up for success. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where I got to the point where I'd been dealing with it and I was on medication for a while. And I just didn't like the way that the medication made me feel for me. For some people, it works, right? I've got family members who deal with it and they, they're on medication. It works great. But for me, it didn't work really well. It made me feel very bland, very just even, even keel. I didn't, I just didn't like it. And so I just went off of it, which was, which wasn't smart come to find out. Um, but I just, I went off of it and, and luckily I used exercise to kind of combat those feelings. And, and I still felt like I, I, I was at a point where I, I wasn't getting to where I needed to be. And, and this was a guy that I knew that I associated with and I knew he did this. Um, he did, he does a lot of sports medicine, not sports medicine, um, sports for the mind basically, right. For athletes of how to, we look at these athletes that are there you know, in NFL and, and college. And he works with a lot of these, these folks who need to get past these mental blocks, right? Look at golf, right? You and I love golf. Playing golf is, is awesome, but it's a tough mental game. It will mess with your head if you don't figure out how, you know, kind of how you work and how it works. And so he works with a lot of golfers and, and getting past some of these mental blocks. And so for me, it was just something that I, I nothing else was working and it was something that I needed to try out and I was willing to try it out. And I wanted to try out because I was tired of kind of feeling the way that I felt. And, um, to this day, you know, there's, like I said, there's multiple decisions you make in your life that uh, change your life. And this was, this was one of them that just helped us. And I think honestly, I don't care who you are or what you're dealing with. You could be the happiest guy in the world talking to somebody that knows what they're, you know, what they're talking about, or what you're going through is a good thing. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to, it's not going to hold you back. It may be uncomfortable at first because you're sharing things that only you've had in your head um, for a long time. But at the same time, like I said, he can, this person can tell you why you're feeling that way. And once you have that moment where it just clicks and you're like, Oh my gosh, I totally understand why I'm feeling this way. And now next time I feel that way, I know how to get past it. It is, it literally, is, is I keep saying it, but it does. It changes the way that you think. It changes your life, and it changes your mentality, and it's been incredible. That's amazing. I mean, true inspiration right there, Taylor. I mean, it's just, you know, to, to have that understanding and, 
you know, to share that and be so open about that. I appreciate it. You know, social media, I know you've been big on that. And of course it's tough. You're wearing so many hats right now, you know, speak to just like that value and, you know, marketing and relationships and maybe even giving you the curse, you know, go off on your own. Yeah. Social media has been huge. I mean, that's how you and I connected. It's been seven years, I guess, since we first connected back in the day and, and off of social media. And it was just, um, you know, being out there and, and, and looking and seeing who, who's doing some, some cool stuff on social media. Um, for us, I, I think I'm like any, a lot of the other contractors, I can always do more, right. And be more consistent. Like we talked about at the beginning of, of the podcast. Um, and, but there's a, there's a lot of value to social media. And so I think, it, I think there's a lot of value if it's done right. You know, um, you're, you're really good about you and, and Nick Schaefer really good about taking a, a very targeted approach to, to social media. There's a lot of people out there that do. I'm just using you as an example. Um, and I think if you take a targeted approach and you're consistent, then there's a huge value to it. Um, I love LinkedIn. That's one thing that, that, uh, we've talked about before. LinkedIn is a huge platform that's, I think, underlies, underutilized in our industry. And I don't think people realize the, the grasp or the, the net that you can cast with LinkedIn. Um, to give an example, I've got a buddy that is in commercial real estate here. And he constantly just posts stuff about they're selling. He's in the industrial space. He'll just post something. I mean, the fact that I can go in there and I can just hit like, all of a sudden, my entire network just saw that I liked this, right? And it, and then, and then it just kind of snowballs from there. So LinkedIn is a huge um, weapon that we use as far as I get people talking all the time saying, "Hey, Taylor, I see you post on on LinkedIn. We'll push on." Instagram too, but more of my comments actually come from LinkedIn and say, Hey, I love what you're doing on LinkedIn or you know, whoever it is. It's, they're usually seeing it through LinkedIn just because that, that net can be cast so big. So absolutely it's, it's social media is, it's been pretty big for us and, and just getting your name out there and, and like so being consistent um, is key to all that for sure. That's been great. So between all these hats that you're dealing with, you know, managing, the company, all aspects. I mean, what do you yeah. do for fun outside of outside of the housing group? Dude, so I got five kids, right? So that's that's my that's a lot of my fun. I love watching my kids play basketball. A lot of my kids are in sports. I've got two boys that are in basketball. I've got a daughter that dances competitively. Uh, I've got three boys in basketball. Actually, we got a son that just started junior jazz, which is pretty fun. So um, being with my kids for sure. Um, golf is a big outlet for me. I love the golf. I've gotten kind of back into. It. I grew up golfing on and on, on and off. Um, growing up, but in the last couple of years, I've definitely gotten into it. And that's a big, that's a big stress relief for me is getting, just being able to get out and get away. So golf is a, one of those things too. Um, but like I said, we live in an area where there's everything at your fingertips you can think of from a, from a recreational. So I don't get out as much as I should. Um, but there's, there's a lot to do around here from hiking to biking, to skiing, to water sports, to, to whatever it is. But so we live in a pretty, pretty awesome area. So, I'd say mostly my family's where a lot of we spend time together and that's fun vacations. Uh, we love to be able to vacation, and create those experiences with our kids, which has been huge for, for us and for our children. So those are the areas we really like to, to focus on. So, yeah. And they're at a good age, right? Some of them appreciate it. Some may say, yeah. Hey dad, I don't want to go on this trip. I'd rather be with my friends, but you're kind of in that fun, you know, age in that yeah. between five and 15. Yeah, it is a fun age for sure. It's when the, the other day I saw somebody the ages of our our kids and like, dude, you are in like the trenches. And I was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> like, 
there's bullets flying over my head. I'm ducking for cover. Like that's just the way it goes sometimes with, with what we have to do. You know, it's busy, but it's fun. I wouldn't have any other way and it's a challenge, but we love it and we love doing it, what we do. So, well, if anyone wants to get uh, destroyed mentally, go to red ledges and uh, go get beat up <laughs> by the course a little bit. So Taylor did yeah. that to me. So speaking about depression and breaking you down mentally, just go golf at red ledges. That's right. The greens will humble you very quickly. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, they do. So, <laughs> so what's, what's upcoming and exciting, you know, for those following you, you know, to follow along the housing group. Yeah, so we've got some fun projects. We've got, I was just, in fact, right before we jumped on this, I was meeting with some clients. We've got a, a property we're calling it the Magnolia Meadows. Um, it's one of their naming after one of their daughters. It's a just a cool property, six acres out east of Heber, some farmland that just kind of sits in the foothills. Um, we've posted about it a couple of times, some renderings that we've been doing. We're really excited about that. We're in pre-construction, hopefully get started in March. Um, we've got a home in Red Ledges that we're, we've been trying to get going the last little while that we're, we're kind of at the finish line trying to get that as well. And they're just trying to see what the future holds. You know, we've got a few projects in the future. We've got some people that want us to do some barn dominions. It's kind of a big thing right now and build some these barns that, that uh, attach to their home where they have some living space. That's kind of a big thing right here. I don't know if you guys are seeing that down in Scottsdale, but up here oh, it's yeah. a big, yeah, so it's a big thing. And so... We've got that. We've got some other businesses that we're looking at, um, investments that we're that I've kind of been eyeing. Like I said before, it's I love business. I love entrepreneurship. I love creating, and so I'm always kind of have my ear to the ground if I hear an idea of something that that we we want to maybe invest in or or uh, work on. I'm always looking for something like that. So we have a couple of things that we're looking at that are outside of construction um, that are pretty exciting that we're we're looking forward to in the next uh, year or so. Well, that's awesome, Taylor. Well, where can our listeners find you? So we are on Instagram under at Housley Group, H-O-U-S-L-E-Y. Um, and then on LinkedIn, it's just under my personal name, Taylor Housley, um, for the Housley Group. And um, Facebook, I mean, look me up. You'll find me in any of those, one of those places. So. Well, you've been amazing, Taylor. I know you're busy. Again, run all those, you know, wearing all the hats you do. So thanks for making time today. No, I'm glad, glad you uh, were able to set this up. This has been fun. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. Okay, we'll see ya. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, Give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.